Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I got some emails. I will get to them. And I will circle back around like Jen Psaki does on the uh, on the mental health topic. But this is related to it. Related to the mental health topic of the last hour. Some good news. The suspect in that shooting in Gaston County has turned himself in. Robert Lewis Singletary, 24 years old, reportedly turned himself into the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office down in Tampa, Florida. Um, he did not have any identification with him and confirmed his identity a few hours later. He is um, apparently now not going to fight. I heard the report on WBT News uh, coming in that he is not going to fight his extradition back to North Carolina. So not sure why he would flee all the way to Florida just to turn himself in. Maybe somebody convinced him to do so. Or maybe he went down there to say goodbye to somebody before he comes back here to face what hopefully, you know, could be a long prison sentence because he deserves it if he did it. I, I understand we have we have a legal process. If he's wanting a trial jury, trial jury, a jury trial, trial by jury. If he wants to go to trial, he wants to plead his case. He's going to say he didn't do it. I don't think that's going to really work very well. But I mean, there were a whole bunch of witnesses. According to family and police, there were a bunch of kids outside the house, they were all playing basketball in their neighborhood. Little kids, young kids, six, seven years old, young kids. And there's, you know, playing in the street. And I get it. I understand that kids playing in the streets, screaming and yelling and carrying on and thumping a basketball on the pavement uh, all the time. Like, totally understand. You hear it, it's annoying. And maybe that's what I, the guy was annoyed. Obviously, I don't know if there were prior run-ins with the neighborhood kids and the parents over this sort of thing, but it's obviously was not a good situation. Not a good situation. And look, if you've ever lived around people like neighbors that you don't like or neighbors that like, you know, are violent or a little bit deranged or something, this is not a good, not a good scene. I highly recommend you move. There isn't any place. It's it's not worth it. It really isn't worth it to live in a neighborhood, uh, to live on a block or with a you know next door neighbor or across the street or whatever that that you are in fear of. That like you're you're watching the whole time to see if they're going to be messing with you somehow. It's it's not worth it. Life is too short. According to family and police, the kids were out in the out in the yard. They were playing basketball, swinging on a swing set, and the ball goes into the yard of this guy, Robert Lewis Singletary. He yells at the kids. He starts yelling at the kids, which then brings the adults out, and they start grabbing their kids. He then apparently goes back inside, gets a gun, comes out, and starts shooting people. So I'm pretty sure there's enough witness accounts here to, you know, to convict this guy. Not sure this one is really, you know, open for interpretation. The guy he shot is still in the hospital, stable condition, 
but shot in the back. And generally speaking, shooting somebody in the back, even if they are, you know, quote, a threat, uh, like you think, oh, I, they're a threat, I, I'm, I, I had to shoot them in self-defense. Uh, yeah, that doesn't work when you shoot them in the back. That's what they, like, when you take your concealed handgun permit training, that's one of the things they teach you, they drill it home to you. If they, If the person that you deem to be a threat is leaving, you don't get to kill them because they're not a threat anymore. That's, you, think of it this way, for all of the gun grabbers that are listening. Um, first off, thank you very much. I appreciate you. I uh, hate listening. You're my best uh, audience. But the, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But the, uh, they do listen a long time, though. Hate listeners listen way longer. Howard Stern taught me that. Anyway, the, uh, uh, the remember the uh, North Charleston police officer? that shot and killed the guy who was running from uh, a car stop. Remember that? That cop. And then he planted the gun, and he tried to claim that uh, the guy was running away and he was in fear for his life, or no, he, or that he had a gun and he was in fear for his life. And then the cell phone video comes out, and it's like, oh, you're a liar. And but for that cell phone video, the Charleston cop probably would have got away with it, right? And I remember having arguments with people at the time that video came out and that story came out, people were arguing with me that, well, you know, the cop, you know, he, he was just, you know, taking out the thread because you don't know that guy could have gone on somewhere down the road and, you know, just robbed somebody. Okay, first off, the guy didn't have a gun. Secondly, you don't get to murder somebody shooting them in the back based on what someone might do at some point in the near or not too near future, right? You, you don't get to play precog in Minority Report here. So this guy Singletary looks like, I mean, the evidence is stacked against him. And there's, I mean, there's a very good reason why it all looks as bad as it does is because he did it, right? That's the, that's the obvious explanation here. He is charged with four counts of attempted first degree murder, two counts of assault with a deadly weapon with intent to inflict serious injury and a count of possession of a firearm by a felon. By a felon. Oh, look at what we have here. Yet again, right? Yet again, we have felons, violent, convicted felons in possession of firearms. If only we had some laws against this sort of thing. Have you guys, have you, uh, uh, what was it, uh, was it every day or every town or hometown, whatever, moms demand action, like, uh, all all the gun grabber groups, have you guys thought about channeling your efforts into passing some laws so we don't get felons, convicted felons, violent convicted felons, possessing firearms? Have you thought about that? Like maybe target that population because the convicted violent felons, they seem to they seem to engage in some felonious violent behavior. I'm not sure you're aware of that. They do. If we can ban them from from owning guns, just to say that's illegal, make their make their person like their pants and uh, like a backpack and their vehicle in their house, a gun-free zone. Maybe do that. We'll hang signs around their necks, gun-free zone. Something like that. Put a gun-free zone sign on their home. Not allowed to have a gun. Oh, wait. Oh, they're already not allowed to have a gun. Oh, isn't that interesting? It's already against the law? Why aren't they following the law? I'm so confused. I thought if we just passed this law, then that would stop this kind of violence. But apparently it's not. So just spitballing here. 
maybe we uh, maybe we increase these penalties. And it's not meant as like a deterrent. I mean, fine. Let's okay. If you can have a deterrent effect, if that happens, fine. I'm not really in it for the deterrence, though. I'm in it for the. Uh, I would be in it for the for the getting them off the streets because they are violent felons. What about that? How about that? So this way, if you're a violent convicted felon and you have a gun, you get way harsher penalties going forward. Now, I realize this is going to require some uh, prosecutors to actually prosecute people for these uh, for these crimes. And I know that a lot of the gun grabbing folks in the gun control debate, they are they are not fans of prosecuting violent offenders uh, violent offenders with with gun charges. I don't know why that is. I actually do know why that is. It's just about taking the guns. Which is an amazing thing. Like every single day, this is part and parcel of this uh, topic where every single day on Twitter uh, at Pete Callender, by the way, uh, you can you, you can go onto a hashtag, which is uh, it's like the number sign, the pound sign, right? You can go onto a hashtag called NCPOL, NC Politics, NCPOL. And you go over onto NCPOL, and you will see almost every day they were doing it. I don't know if I haven't seen it today, but they've been doing it for about a week now. And it's the, uh, I believe it is the North Carolina Democratic Party Progressive Caucus, I think, that's doing it. So this is a party-affiliated group, Democratic Party-affiliated group. They're the Progressive Caucus in that party. And their Twitter account has been posting every single day this uh, this notice. They say, just a reminder, your daily reminder, I should say, your daily reminder that gun deaths are the number one leading cause of deaths in children. Thank you, GOP, whatever. And then they attack the GOP for it. And so every day I post a reply to that tweet to point out that that is only true if you exclude infants, which they do, by the way. You ha- There's no way you get to that stat that they are saying unless you exclude infant mortality in the first year of life so they get rid of that so they ignore that stat it's like it's like counting terrorist attacks and saying oh it's only these right-wing extremists if you if you start counting on like september 12 2001 through today right if you ignore 911 <laughs> then right it's all these white guys <laughs> right but if you include if you just go back a day if you start your your data set one prior day then the numbers are dwarfed but they start their their data set at one years old, and they run it all the way through age 20, which, of course, captures street crime, right? And right. And so if you were to actually eliminate the 19-year-olds from the data set, gun deaths would not be the number one killer of kids. That's what's driving it. Street crime is what is driving gun deaths. But they never want to talk about street crime. It's always school shootings, mass shootings of the like, right? Accidental shootings or something. They always talk about that. This right here, this would count as a mass shooting, right? Multiple people injured, multiple people shot. But but is this street crime? I would submit it is. And if you want to crack down on gun deaths, doesn't it make sense to crack down on the people perpetrating the street crime, who, by the way, tend to be in their you know late teens, early 20s, men, violent felons with records. How about we target the problem? 
All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items. From modern tactical gear to historical collectibles, Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Message from Russ. Um, I have not read it through yet. He says, uh, Pete, gun reform proposal. Number one, abolish all existing gun laws and regulations. Number two, if you steal a gun or possess a stolen gun, minimum 10-year sentence. Number three, if you are a prohibited person in possession of a gun, minimum 20-year sentence. Number four, if you commit a crime with a gun, minimum life sentence, in addition to any applicable charges for assault, theft, injury, or death. I have proposed this to a few anti-gun acquaintances, and they still think it's better to add restrictions to law-abiding citizens. Right. And that, that gives up the game. It always does. It always gives up the game. Whenever you, uh, whenever you offer solutions, and you know me, I am all about solutions, and so I offer them up, and this happened a week ago and two weeks ago, right? Whenever there's a mass shooting and I throw out a couple of potential solutions like harsher penalties for people, like convicted felons who are found to be in possession of a firearm committing another crime, like, there's, like that, that's it. Zero tolerance, buddy. You've already gone down for one violent crime. And now you're using the gun in another violent crime. So, no, that's it. You know, you had some chances. You don't get to play with the with the society at large anymore because you don't know how to play nicely with others. Right? We have determined this. So, they, but there's never any interest in that. Why do you think there are so many teenagers right now engaging in the violence and crime and mayhem? Why do you think that is? Yes, it's cultural, the the parenting, and yes. But might it have something to do with all of the lower the age bills? Like North Carolina did one, right? We can't possibly charge a 17-year-old as an adult for this crime. We They're just children. Their brains haven't fully developed. But yes, if they would like to carve up their body and take puberty blockers, then yes, they, they can do that. My good friend Ray Cooper over on the Twitter machine says, Pete, if you look at the guy's history, this Robert Lewis Singletary, this guy from Gaston County, you look at his history, he's got two felony assaults with deadly weapon convictions. I do. I actually have his, uh, I pulled his jacket. It is a North Face. No, I kid. It's, uh, yeah, so his, uh, the one that he served for, this was uh, convicted, he was convicted August 3rd, 2017, Mecklenburg County. He got released in 2020, September 2020. I wonder if September, so that would have been pre-COVID. Okay. Um, His minimum term was one year, eight months. His maximum term was three years. And he did, uh, he did all of that looks like plus a month. So I guess no good behavior. The exact opposite sounds like. Um, And that was for A-W-D-W-I-S-I. You know what that means? Assault with a deadly weapon inflicting serious injury. That's a pretty big deal. You use a weapon to inflict serious injury on somebody? 
Oh, and then also um, assault of a law enforcement, physical injury, uh, law enforcement officer. That was a class I felony. So two, two felonies uh, back in October of 2016, got convicted in August of 2017, spent three years plus a month in jail, in prison for it. Got out, but wait, there's more. He then attacked his girlfriend with a, quote, mini sledgehammer. He was facing charges for that. The guy, obviously, does not get along well with other human beings. Maybe we can't trust him to not go and get another firearm and murder a bunch of people. What do you say? Gun grabbers, would you like to grab this one gun from this one guy? And let's make sure he doesn't get another one. How about that? And the only way to ensure that is not to take every single gun in America, in the world. It is to right, prevent him from ever acquiring one by being free. Right? That, that's the only way to guarantee that this guy's not going to get his hands on another gun. Because he obviously just did it, and he wasn't supposed to. Let me get back to the tweet from my friend Ray Cooper. Because um, I kind of went off on a tangent. Says if you look at the guy's history, the shooter from Gaston County, you look at his history, he has two felony assault with deadly weapon convictions, one against a cop, got a plea deal to less than the minimum sentence for the two. And when the shooting happened, he was out on bail for assaulting somebody with a, a sledgehammer. Well, now, Ray, it was a mini sledgehammer, as I see it being reported, mini. So, um, so more than anything, we can blame soft on crime DA sentencing policies, bail programs that turn loose somebody who beats a woman with a sledgehammer. Um, and then I saw somebody else say, hey, uh, look, he was uh, he turned himself in in Florida. Uh, I am all for leaving him in a swamp in Florida with some cement shoes like that. No, no, you got to let the process play out. Um, one of the things that I noticed, because he turned himself in yesterday afternoon. The shooter did. Turn himself in. So, yay for that. Good on him for that. But, um, all right, I'm just going to do it. Um, what is wrong with you media people? Seriously, what is wrong with you? When there was a manhunt for this maniac and you put out a subject description and you're asking the public's help and you're warning the public that this guy is deranged and could shoot you and your child for no obvious reason except a basketball rolling into his yard or maybe now that he is wanted for attempted murder, so now now maybe he's got an even greater incentive to start murdering people. So you're trying to tell people, be safe, be aware. If you see this guy, don't approach him. Call police. He is wanted for attempted murder. And you describe this man to the public that you're asking to help and you are advising caution. Your description is he's a six foot two guy with brown eyes and black hair, 223 pounds. And that's it. I mean, I guess credit where it's due. You did call him a man. So that's helpful, I guess. Baby steps, right? So we know to look for a person who is a who looks like a dude. Are we okay to put that description out? Do we have to? Do, do we interview any of his family members or friends to find out, you know, what gender he identifies as and all that? But what's missing from the description? Think about this: this is an armed maniac running around Gaston County, 
and they say be on the lookout for a six foot two man. Brown eyes, black hair, 223 pounds. What's missing? A vital piece of information when attempting to to determine whether someone is or is not a lethal threat, potentially based on the actions that they just took in your neighborhood. His race. His race. I Look, I totally get, now that the guy has turned himself in, doesn't matter to me. You don't need to put his race in or his, his height, his... Uh, his hair color, his eye color, his weight. You don't need any of that. I don't need to know any of that information. You know why? He's in custody. Doesn't matter. All I need to know is that the guy's in custody. Here's his name. Age is okay, whatever. Like, they always throw the age in there. Fine. Just, well, that's generally so this way if there's another person named, in this case, Robert Singletary, and you put an age next to a 24, if you know a Robert uh, uh, Singletary who's, you know, 70, you know it's not him, Right. And that's generally why you throw the age in there. But, you know, journalism usually would require you put the information in there to describe the person's info, whatever. So the age you can keep. I don't need all of the other descriptors. You know why? He's not on the lam. There's no threat to me. You're not asking me to help catch him. But if you're asking me to help catch him, for the love of me, give me the data. Give me the descriptors. But you omit the racial one. And you know why they do this? And all of them, every one of you guys, like all, if you wrote a story, I'm talking about you. If you wrote a story about this case while he was being searched for and um, you put, you did not put his race while asking people to help find him, while warning people don't approach this guy because he might murder you, right? And you left out a key piece of information. Shame on you. Shame on you. Don't do it again. I don't care once he's arrested. It doesn't matter once they're arrested. But when you're looking for somebody, you damn well give me all the information. Because I read this story. I don't see his picture. I'm just reading the, I'm just reading the story. Oh, okay. So just a six foot two guy with brown eyes, black hair, 223. Okay. White guy? Hispanic guy? My, Robert Lewis Singletary. Black guy? White guy? What? Just any guy, six foot two. That's what I'm supposed to look out for. Six foot two, brown eyes, black hair. Am I? Oh, is that the is that the tell? Anybody with black hair, I'm supposed to just divine that racially more likely that he's black or something? Like this is what I mean. You're you're forcing people to make all sorts of decisions and choices based on what prejudice, bigotry, all of that. So why not just give the information? How this all started was. I remember this happening like 15 years ago. I was a reporter, and I remember hearing pushback. I was at some neighborhood uh, forum, and uh, there was uh, these people uh, in the audience. There were people in the audience that were talking about the role the media plays. And in the uh, among the black community, there is a belief that media hypes all the crimes that black people do while never covering the white crimes. They believe this, that there are all these white crimes occurring, but they don't get the coverage that black crimes do, and that this is because the media is racist against them. And so media took that criticism, and this is writ large, by the way. This is all over the place. Like, you could see it at every level. It's reporting in every in every town, in every city. They all approach it the same way. Nobody's printing. When, when looking for suspects, they don't tell you the race. You don't need to tell me the race when they're caught, but you need to tell me when you're looking. 
It's very simple. It's not racist. It's not racial. It's not bigoted or prejudicial. It's a data point. Unless you don't actually care for my assistance, unless you are actually not really interested in trying to save my life from a gunman running loose on the streets of Gaston County or on his way down to Florida, right? Unless that's all just a lie that you're telling yourself and me, the audience, right? Which is what it is, really, at this point. If you're not giving me the information to actually locate the guy, but telling me you need my help in locating him, you're lying to me because you're withholding information that might help me locate him for you, right? You're telling me, oh, I'm doing this for your own protection, but then you're withholding a piece of information that might actually protect me, which means what? You're lying to me. You're lying to me, but you want me to think that you're not. I wonder why media has such low credibility ratings. Gosh, it's a brain buster. All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustan Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Ikifu on the Twitter machine says uh, that, that we knew the guy's race who shot the neighbors and the kids in Gaston County. We knew his race because there was no race listed. Right. So when the media says, hey, everybody, we need your help. Finding this maniac. And then they leave out a key piece of information that we could use to identify the person. Right? And think about that. You're telling me his height, his weight, his eye color, his hair color, his age, his gender, but not his race. There is no other reason to omit that except for some other constructed idea. Right? That is, quote-unquote, political correctness. That's wokeism, whatever, white guilt, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter to me. You're doing it for politics. And people are jeopardized. Their lives are put in danger because you are not giving them the information. And that's your freaking job, guys. That is your job. If you, if, and if that makes you squeamish, that you have to identify somebody who is on the loose, m- attempting to murder people, and you have to put out his race because it's an identifier, and that makes you squeamish, find another line of work. Go write press releases for somebody, for some company. Seriously, go into marketing. You don't belong, or, or find a different beat. Or go work for an NPR affiliate where you can do stories about, you know, gender-bending basket weavers in Sudan. I mean, seriously, guys. I, like, I'm so fed up with this. It's just garbage. What are you doing? I've held fire on that story. Like, I've been waiting because I didn't want to, um, like, I was hope. I'm glad that he turned himself in. I, I was waiting to find out when, if they caught him. Because I like, you know, I want more information. I want to hear more information. I saw an image of him, so I knew that he was black. It's just a descriptor. It's just just like, oh, it's a guy. Okay, good to know. On the lookout. Because here's the thing. I was over in Gaston County doing some food shopping that day. So, yes, I would very much like to know what the guy's description is in case I see him wandering around the Ingles. Oh, it's not Ingles. It's Harris Teeter. Sorry. Ingles is Western North Carolina. Although they do have one 
Uh, they got the one in, they do have one, I believe, in Gaston County now, right? And they've got a couple in uh, Cleveland County. I would stop there. Love me some Ingles. Anyway, and we've all heard the story about Ralph Yarl, right? The 16-year-old goes up to a door, rings the bell because he's there to pick up his brother. His little his siblings or daughter, his uh, younger sister, whatever. He rings the doorbell to pick up his family member. Wrong house. His brothers were on 115th Street, and he went to 115th Terrace. And he got shot because an 84-year-old guy at home alone because his wife is in rehab, like physical rehabilitation, and he's home alone, and he freaks out and shoots this kid through the door. Luckily, the kid survives. He's going to be, I mean, he's going to have lifelong injuries. This 84-year-old shot this kid through the door. And he's white. The kid is black. The shooter is white. So check the boxes. Run with the story. Not sure this story on uh, Singletary and the Gaston shooting. Not sure that one's getting the amount of coverage. Oh, by the way. We still don't know why the guy shot Cannon Hintnant. Remember him? Yeah, Wilson County, North Carolina. Remember this? Five-year-old kid riding his bicycle around in the front yard. Next-door neighbor walks up to him, murders him. Next-door neighbor, Darius Sessoms. Whatever happened to that case? The 25-year-old Darius Sessoms shot and killed the 5-year-old boy August 9th, 2020 in Wilson, North Carolina. The boy was on his bike not far from his own front door. Despite years passing, the motive behind the killing remains unclear. It's amazing. We have no idea why a 25-year-old man who who had had supper with the family, his next-door neighbors... He had eaten dinner with them like the night before. And then the next day walks out into their front yard and assassinates their five-year-old boy. And that boy was white and the shooter was black. Why? Do you know what happened in that case? Whatever happened? He took a, he took a plea deal. Did you know that? He took a plea deal back in December. So he doesn't face the death penalty. And we still don't have a motive? Isn't that odd? You know why it's odd? Is because when you take a plea deal, usually as part of the plea deal, you're talking to the judge and you're admitting guilt and you're explaining why and all of that, but we still don't know why. Why you would do such a thing. This is part of the story. And when you guys in media keep covering for certain people based on you know political sensibilities, you're doing everybody a disservice. Because it feeds conspiracy theories and prejudice. 